Welcome to the Leadership in Yoga podcast hosted by me, Shauna Kruger. And on this podcast, I'll be bringing you interviews with exceptional leaders in the yoga world alongside trainings and tips so you can experience true breakthroughs and help others do the same. Leadership in Yoga, welcome back to another interview. And today I'm very excited to introduce you to Lauren Olivia. And so for those of you who don't know Lauren, she is a certified yoga instructor, personal trainer. She's also a continuing education provider for other yoga instructors. And she teaches everything from rocket yoga to vinyasa to hand balancing and partner acrobatics. And she is also a Thai bodywork um, practitioner. And this is, I love this. This is probably top of my list right now of things that I personally want to do. So I might ask you a bit about that as well. Um, And I will just add to this introduction that she is a complete badass when it comes to handstands. And if you haven't had a chance to check out her practice, highly recommend that you do it. Um, maybe even before or as you're listening to this, just so you can see a little bit more what I'm talking about um, when I say that. So yeah, she's a huge in- inspiration to me. And yeah, Lauren, if you want to say hi, I'm super happy and grateful that you're here with us. Hello. Hello. I am. I'm so grateful to be here, Shauna. Thank you so much. Um, Really, it's an honor to to be on this podcast, and um, I love chatting with you, so I'm, I'm stoked about this. Same. So I'm just going to give everyone a little overview of how it is that we met, because I think it's kind of an interesting story, the one time that we did meet, <laughs> in person at least. And so what it was is I had just finished up my my 200-hour training at Ashtangi Yoga Puerto Rico, and I um, was practicing, I think it was a rocket class with David Kyle. And I remember I saw there was a new girl in class that I had never seen before. And I try to do my own thing during practice. You know, you try to focus in on what you're doing, but inevitably you always kind of see what folks around you are doing. And I remember just being in class and seeing you practice, Lauren, and being like, wow, <laughs> that is incredible. It's really, it was really, um, it was inspiring for me to see another woman do all of the things that you were doing because I had seen it in person with my male teachers. At this point, I personally could not press to handstand. I can now, so that's exciting. But at that point, I I couldn't quite do it yet. And so for me, it was was totally a catalyst seeing someone like yourself there uh, doing what you're doing. And on top of that, I did not feel intimidated by you, which is saying a lot because I really felt like you had a nice, warm and welcoming demeanor. And, you know, you invited me over, <laughs> you invited me over to practice on, on your handstand blocks that I had never tried out at that point either and gave me a few tips and pointers. And, and that was it. That was the extent of our in-person meeting. So, of course, we've chatted and kept on uh, in touch on social media. But for those of you tuning in, I mean, you're tuning into our first long in-depth conversations that's always kind of a unique one and we're gonna we're gonna touch on everything you know just to give you an idea what you'll you'll hear if you're listening we're gonna touch on everything from trusting the process discipline um, sticking with it even if your it isn't necessarily handstands whatever that may be in your life that you're you're looking to do you can totally apply all of uh, these lessons to that particular thing and you know how our practice impacts us mentally, imposter syndrome, um, teaching yoga and leadership in general. I think that is the main kind of theme that I have in mind that we'll we'll be going through today. So, 
Is that sound about right? <laughs> Did I get everything yeah. there, Lauren? I think that okay. sounds great. Great. So I guess my first kind of burning question that I would have for you is just how did you get your start? You know, how, like, why, why the yoga, why the hand balancing? Where does it all come from? You know, I, I really love this question because, um, you know, I guess I've been practicing about 12 years now and, um, I swear that all of the best things in my life I've kind of like stumbled onto, um, And I mean that to say, like, they really weren't forced things. They were things that, like, there was a tiny bit of intuition or a friend just happened to invite me. Um, I was super duper poor going to um, technical community college at age 18 when I literally stumbled into my first class in downtown Raleigh. Um, And my mom had been the one to actually say, when she saw like I was really not happy, she was like, maybe you should try yoga, which I think is really funny because she doesn't do that sort of thing at all. And, um, you know, now I don't know that she loves how deeply I've gotten into it, to be honest with you. But she, <laughs> she put a bug in my ear and I walked past this old studio called The Vault that used to be like in an old um, bank vault, basically. Uh, it was a really cool little space and they're closed now. But um, I walked into a power vinyasa class one night got my butt handed to me like on a silver platter like I had always been flexible I guess that's why my mom thought like instantaneously like flexible meant I should go to yoga um and uh you obviously need more than just flexibility to be quote-unquote good at the yoga like the physical practice part of it um totally yeah I remember just not being able to do a chaturanga like just straight up my arms were noodles and would not lower me to the ground slowly at all. Um, That's that I can't, <laughs> I can't picture it. I mean, I can picture it, but just knowing you, I can't. So I, I love to know that that was, it's, that was the start. That was my reality. I was super flexible, but I had almost no stability in my body. And I, I'll never forget my teacher, Michael, the teacher that night, I stumbled into a great class, by the way, it was a phenomenal teacher that I, I took from for the next, I think two years um, until he moved to Florida. Um, but he was phenomenal. But that night he was doing handstand to chaturanga. He was teaching handstand to chaturanga. Sometimes I forget about this, but it was my very, very, very first yoga class in person. Um, I had like Googled some stuff online, but it was my first yoga class in person. And oh man, it's funny to me now because I teach that crap now. <laughs> um, yeah. I like can look at students and be like, I know that you feel like your arms are noodles and you're just collapsing to the ground every time, but it doesn't stay that way if you don't want it to. Um, So yeah, I feel like that's how I just kind of like got addicted. I was um, really an anxious kid and uh, had, you know, a lot of ADHD issues um, along with that anxiety and had tried medications and such. And yoga just gave me this physical outlet that I think I really needed in order to like quiet some of the noise in my head. Completely. Mm-hmm. I, I love that your first class was that experience of chaturanga or handstand to chaturanga. <laughs> my too. first class ever was also the the teacher was working on pincha and so I was mm-hmm. <laughs> equally in the same way I went in my track shorts I was not flexible I was a distance runner so mm-hmm. I went in my running shorts and but I was hooked as well and so I remember a while ago actually you posted something I think it was on a caption perhaps or on your story about 
not getting bogged down in the beginning, you know, like seeing something like that and feeling inspired by it rather yeah. than just like, oh, well, this obviously isn't a place for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, you know, like, what does that mean specifically to you and not getting bogged down? Because for me, I, I took it kind of one of two ways. Is it that it gets easier or is it that like, don't overcomplicate it? Like maybe don't Mm-hmm. yeah so I'm not exactly sure I would love to hear kind of just what you mean by don't get bogged down at the beginning I guess what I mean is just like even just from a um from a personal training standpoint um from a, the way the body moves and learns new movements standpoint uh new motor skills take time to learn so I don't think necessarily it gets easier. In fact, like, especially yoga is kind of, you know, like a, like an onion, you start peeling back layers and you find more layers to peel back. And so it does kind of get harder in some ways, the further we go into the awareness, I think. But um, the actual physical practice is so hard at first. I feel like we just don't talk about like any new physical skill is going to be it's going to feel complicated at first. It might feel like you're moving through like mud. That's the way I talk to my students about it. Like, you know, it it feels like mud right now, but if you stick through the mud, you will, and keep moving, you will like turn it into honey, you know, with, with repetition. I think that's what I mean. It's just like, we get so easily bogged down. Like you said about like, we see something and maybe we want it. Maybe a part of us really wants it, but we are so convinced that we won't be able to and when we try (laughs) we could get bogged down in the fact that it oh crap it is hard it is just as hard as I thought it was going to be like I feel just as incapable in this (laughs) as I thought I would you know what I mean that's what I mean by bogged down um and then we don't like give ourselves that chance to to turn it into honey you know we we often just quit um and I do think that's like difference between, like you say, the way you look at it, like it's either a, a fixed mindset or it's a, it's a growth mindset, um, mm-hmm. depending on how you choose to look at it. So when does it start to turn into honey? You know, when, <laughs> and I, I guess I'll ask that in a general, I know it's going to be different for, for everyone, but maybe any yeah. patterns that you've noticed in students and yourself as well. Definitely, definitely. Um, that reminds me of my least favorite handstand question too. They, they always want to <laughs> ask me, everybody always wants to ask me how, um, how long? will it take um either how long a did it take you that one's a better question to me it's more specific and I can kind of <laughs> answer it a little bit but the whole like how long will it take me teacher and I'm like oh man you know that is dependent on so many different variables that I cannot have a handle on um so I think that it's like if you're consistent if you show up consistently to whatever the skill is whatever whatever we can talk about handstands we can talk about literally just reverse lunges <laughs> like if you haven't ever done lunges before just getting used to reverse and forward lunges uh in your body and i think within the first month you see the first or you start to feel the first um shifts if you will um so i tell new students like try to go try to practice like at least two to three times a week like give yourself that start that foundation um because otherwise it's Otherwise, you can get bogged down because you're not quickly enough progressing past that that point that doesn't feel good. There is a mm-hmm. there's just a point that doesn't feel good. Um, I think we talked about how you know we might 
touch on like the fear of failure and stuff and, and I just I think that in our society we don't highlight enough how much new things need failure like you need failure you need to fall um because if you're paying attention then you learn from that fall and you do it slightly differently every time um and that's how you progress and, and that's also not just how you progress but how you appreciate your progression right if we were to just be able to handstand we wouldn't um we wouldn't appreciate it so I definitely think that's part of that initial process of like letting it be awkward. And the first month is definitely, definitely feels that way to me. Um, and then you progress from there. I think the next big marker, honestly, is six months down the road, in my opinion, like six months into whatever practice you're doing, you start to feel a home in it, probably, mm -hmm. you know, and, and then that grows and that compounds. Um, so it takes time, but like at the end of the day, time is what we have. You know, it's mm -hmm. what we don't have guaranteed, but it's also what we're spending right now every yep. day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I love the way that you just answered that question and made it kind of feel tangible. And even, you know, your reference to trying to do reverse lunges, because a lot of times <laughs> we think, oh, it's a handstand. It's hard because it's scary because I'm upside down. It's like, actually it's hard and it's scary because it's, it's something new. that is totally new and like you said new things require failure you know mm -hmm. um beautifully said did you ever during that process of experiencing your own failure did you ever underestimate yourself or doubt yourself and think okay maybe this like i'm gonna leave this little project because it's actually not going anywhere or i'm not making the progress that i had hoped to have made yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, I am a, I am as human as, as the next one. Um, and honestly, from a, from a leadership and teacher standpoint as well, um, that's probably one of the, that is the hurdle. That is the, the big hurdle. That's the one, like the, the doubting yourself, the, the questioning, even when you know what you're doing is either feeding you like um, intrinsically in some way or like it's what you're supposed to be doing either way like you can have that very very strong foundation and um you know like intention but still we have the imposter syndrome we have the voice that says like why me you know like or or some part of us that believes we're not good enough or we're not worthy enough um which is crazy, you know, it goes back to that quote, I can't remember who said it, but someone said, you know, it, it's silly that we think that because if we weren't meant for it, or if it wasn't meant for us, we wouldn't have that dream. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have that inkling, we wouldn't have that pull. Um, yeah. And I believe that. So um, yeah, I questioned my handstand practice for a long time. Um, there's still some skills I find myself questioning but like whether or not I can have them. But then I have all this catalog to go back on that proves me wrong. Like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, my therapist will make me walk through my anxiety and she'll go, okay, go back a step. Okay, go back another step. And then she'll go, okay, go forward to the worst case scenario. You know, what, what does that look like? So why are you so scared? Um, but I think that's just human. I think that as we practice, we can catalog the way we have overcome fears and those self-doubts and we write them down and we video them and you know we we do whatever we have to do to remind ourselves um so we 
quiet that nasty voice a little bit more every time, I think. Yeah, I think that that's a really good tool and a good idea too in catalog, you know. Mm. What would your tip be for someone who's who says, okay, well, I don't have a catalog. Like, I actually don't trust myself. Like when I say that I'm going to do something, historically, I haven't done it. This time I want it mm. to be different. How? That's a great, that's a great question. Actually, that's a really great way to put that. Um, man, you have to take a chance on yourself. And I do think this ties back into the physical, the physical realm gives us kind of an opening, if you will, into the mental realm, I think. And at first, our minds are our worst enemies. Um, possibly we still think that even maybe 10 years into our practice. Hopefully not. Um, but that is kind of how we come to the practice, I think, often to any practice. Um, and I think that if you physically keep showing up for yourself, you're going to, your body is going to adapt that the stress to the stress that you place on it. That's just what's going to happen, right? Um, physically. And as your body adapts to the stress that you're placing on it and you keep showing up consistently, that starts to bleed over into your mental landscape. Mm-hmm. I think that's been my experience. Um, I tell people all the time, especially women who are trying to regain confidence in themselves, um, how important having that physical practice is because throw vanity to the wind it has really nothing to do with cool party tricks or um visible abs or delts uh like it has nothing to do with that it has everything to do with the fact that i used to be a shy kid who like could not do anything but doubt herself and now i like hold my head high in any room and i act like i belong there because I know that I belong in my body now. Like I, I understand that if I can do this physical thing that like, let's say months or years ago felt like the absolute most impossible thing to my body. If I can do that, that means those blockages in my mind are actually really small. Like they're Mm -hmm. actually way smaller than I'm making them out to be. Yep. And they're overcomable. (laughs) Yes. I completely agree with you. I think you said it exactly right. I mean, our physical practice does bleed over eventually into the mental side of things. And from if you don't take the chance on yourself, if you don't make that first, you know, take that first step, I guess would be better said, then you're not going to necessarily ever experience that feeling of self-trust. It's like you're trying to experience the thing before you've you've tried it (laughs) before you've made the step to experience what that potentially could be. It's really well said. You said something too the other day uh, about just movement challenges in general being a catalyst for, Mm -hmm. for changing our mind. And I was curious if this is, is what you mean or if there's kind of more layers to that. Totally. Yeah. 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 I think yes. Uh, Short answer. Yes. Um, it's really funny to me training and teaching handstands. I've been teaching hand balancing for, I think, um, six or seven years now, like really consistently. It started with like a workshop a month and then it grew. And now I have two weekly handstand classes on, on top of workshops. So and I've taught all over the place, which is really, really cool to see different students. And the ones that I train regularly is really funny because we're starting to reach a point in their physical practice. Let's say, uh, 
know everybody loves to hear timelines. Some of these students have been practicing for about a year and a half um, or let's say a year plus. And they understand all the concepts, like all the shapes I'm teaching them, where their body needs to be in space for them to hold this and to transition easily. They understand both mentally and physically, but <laughs> I still catch them. I'll watch them jump up into their handstand and immediately come down. And to me, from just a pure physicality anatomy standpoint, they were in the perfect spot. They were in the perfect spot. Their shoulder position was great. They were pushing. There was no reason for them to come down, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I had this convo with one of my sweet female students the other night after class. And I was just like, so love, I feel like you can handstand now. You can, your body can do the thing that you have wanted to do and have been training to do, but your mind has not yet caught up to your body. So you're still telling yourself in the handstand that you can't handstand. Like, it's so crazy that we have to like ask ourselves before we go try this thing. It's like, are you planning to fail? Like, are mm. you betting against yourself mm -hmm. before you even go? Because I feel like that's a part of the, the learning process that we don't talk about often is that, yes, we need to learn how to fail. We need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with the awkward clunky phase, but then you need to let the what's happening in the body translate to tell your brain, Hey, I'm learning this. I'm digesting this in my body. So now it's like you, you shed an old skin. You know what I mean? You shed the old skin that couldn't do that, that whose story, whose identity was, I can't do that. Um, you have to shed it. And if you don't, then you're here in this body that can like do this thing now, but your brain still thinks, no, I can't do that. So a lot of it is like, a, I feel like it's like 80% mental and 20% physical, really. Most, most of the skills that I've done, most of the practices that I teach. Um, so eventually, if we keep showing up in the body, I think those successes that start compounding in the body have to kind of change our minds about ourselves. And, and that is hard because we get so attached to our identities. We get so attached to like, you know, I am, I know nobody would believe me. Nobody does believe me, but I am a klutz by nature. I am not coordinated. I did not do well <laughs> in sports growing up. Trying to, like, trust me. I was not like, uh, people ask me all the time, were you a gymnast? No, I took two years of gymnastics when I was six, you know, like, no, I was not, <laughs> I was not coordinated before this stuff. And all of this stuff was hard earned to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to change my whole story around myself like when I started surfing three years ago I still consider myself a like experienced beginner surfer if you will um because I don't get to it often enough but um I was sure that I could not use my feet the way that I use my hands like because I had trained the handstands for so long that I was confident in that but I still hadn't changed the story that like I can't skateboard I can't surf blah blah, blah. I'm not good on my feet <laughs> you know um, so I think it's that willingness for us to show up in our bodies and then allow our minds to change, mm -hmm. allow that to change our mind. Do you feel like there are parallel activities that can also help us begin to shift that story? Because very similarly, I always told like my story was I'm a distance runner. I'm not flexible, you know, even to the point where 
I was doing the splits and I'm like, I still don't, I really still don't consider myself very flexible in terms of other teachers that I'm around, right? I know that I'm much more flexible than the average person, but it's interesting to me when you, when you talk about that, that story that you have about yourself. And that's why I think in so many ways, things like the handstands and the yoga can be so powerful in other areas of our life Mm -hmm. because they are this concrete physical representation of the story changing over time with the power of yourself really more than anything. Of course you might have your teacher or they might just kind of be there guiding you through the sequence. You know, some people are self-taught. It really just depends. Um, But are there other things that we can do, you know, because I see actually a lot of folks who have a lot of fear around getting upside down. And so for me as a teacher, are there other things that I can point them to in the mean, like in the meantime that they can also work on to kind of start getting comfortable? Totally. I think, I mean, it sounds almost oversimplified, but I think that anytime you're pushing an edge of yours that feels uncomfortable, you are doing that process that we've been talking about. Um, so that can be literally anything. It, it, it can be anything. It can be the person who maybe doesn't like flying and maybe they're pushing themselves towards slightly longer flights, slightly longer airtime for travel. You know, it can be absolutely anything. Um, I start a lot of my clients with a tiny bit of discipline and consistency um, in asking them to do three sets of push-ups every day. And we, you know, we scale the push-ups to whatever they need it to look like. Um, but that's how I started. Like I said, I had noodle arms (laughs) and I really like, I really wanted to do the yoga. I really liked it. And I really like wanted to be quote unquote good at it, whatever that freaking means. You know, when you start, you think it's, you think it's physical. And now I realize being good at yoga is like (laughs) being able to release my grip and, you know, um, and actually pause before responding and making choices. But, um, Yeah, I think that just a little bit of showing up for yourself physically every day makes a huge difference. Um, And I think, honestly, starting with a breathwork practice, I know that kind of seems maybe opposite from like the physicality conversation we've been having, but having a little breathwork practice in the morning that's just to yourself, like even if it's five minutes, you know, I think we both do Wim Hof. Um, Yes. I, I love I love Wim Hof. Um, I Me just too. love that whole method. So I set aside almost every morning, like 20 minutes for that, for like three rounds. And um, it started as five minutes because I couldn't sit or lay still for that long at first. Um, and I started by trying to quiet the mind um, and like listen to music and stuff. But now when I'm holding, I visualize something um, that I need or that I want at the moment. And it's become a piece of like manifestation in my life for sure. But I think even just in a small digestible way, it doesn't have to be this big thing you're visualizing. It can be like your workout later that day. It can be like you're visualizing yourself doing the thing that you want to be doing uh, that maybe you don't even believe that you can do right now. Um, And that gives your like neuro pathways like a, it's almost like a warm up for Mm -hmm. your brain, right? which we need because we set so many boundaries for ourselves and like 
you know, drag our feet mentally so often, like on things that we really do want to be doing for ourselves. Um, so giving yourself that time to kind of just see it happen. And um, I think it's Joe Dispenza that has like all the books. He almost writes the same thing over and over, I will say, but he's great. He's great. And he has that book, The Breaking the, ha- the Habit of Being Your Yes. And um, he says, talk so much about the meditation and he got me doing this honestly mostly um from reading that and he's like you can't just think about it mm-hmm. you need to feel it you need to try to like wear the feelings that you would have if you were doing that thing that you want to do but you do it all in your mind first yes and it helps yeah. you like attract it to your life and it also helps your body do it when you're ready to do it in your body because you've already done it in your brain Mm -hmm. which i think is really like huge light bulb moment for a lot of people once you start doing that like it it works yeah and try it with something concrete like getting upside down maybe it's a a headstand maybe it's not a handstand maybe it is a handstand um i i also have read that book and i think it is probably the book that single-handedly changed my life more than any other books. It was actually recommended to me by my therapist a couple, Mm -hmm. like four years, five years ago now. But I love that you mentioned that um, because I completely, completely agree with you. And I've also, you know, seen that play out. So that's cool. It's a cool thought to think about uh, also doing a visualization during the breath work. I have found myself kind of wandering, you know, because I'm finally starting to get up there a little bit more time in the breath holds. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, oh, (laughs) what do I do while I'm here? Because it becomes relaxing. So why not take advantage of that time to to work towards? It's so useful. And I think you could do it doing any breath work. But the for those of you who don't know Wim Hof, maybe you go Google after, but he does have an app. So I did breath work and stuff. But um because of the retention because there's no air in my lungs and i'm not holding and i'm not even focusing on breathing during that time i feel like i can focus my brain so much better somehow i took time (laughs) i'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah it's kind of a weird sensation but at the same time it's it is helpful i feel like when you're trying to understand what it means to okay still the mind a little bit more Mm. absolutely um, I was curious to kind of switching gears and to ask you about teaching specifically, because we're kind of talking now about how it is that you can teach something and take something that feels really intimidating for people and make it approachable. But I was curious, kind of flipping that around, did you ever or do you ever feel imposter syndrome teaching? I, I really like to ask other teachers about this topic, just because for me, you know, looking at your practice and your teaching experience, it's like, wow, you know, this person, you know, Thai body work too. I mean, this person, (laughs) this person knows their stuff, but what is like, what's the behind the scenes of that? What was that journey like for you? You're very sweet, Jana. I also look at you and think like this woman is an absolute inspiration to me. Um, So, you know, I feel like that's kind of also part of imposter syndrome is like, we are always so we don't realize everybody thinks the same thing. Like we don't really think the same exact thing, but we're thinking along the same lines. We're all feeling this way. Um, Even if you're not a teacher, you've probably felt this way in your job at one or many points. Um, 
And as a teacher, yeah, that's a hard thing to overcome because you, these people are looking at you and like expecting guidance and expecting um, authenticity usually. And um, we're human. So not only are we going to doubt ourselves sometimes, but sometimes just showing up authentically as yourself is really, really hard. Um, and then holding space for people and then also trying to like impart what you want to share um, and what you uh, hope to teach them. Um, so yes, I've dealt with it. I think that <laughs> I think that it's one of those things that only gets easier with practice, which is why I've told every um, I've led a couple teacher trainings and every new student I've ever mentored, I've just said, go teach, go teach, go teach, go teach, go teach. I don't mean once a week. I mean, like, if you can teach five times a week and just exhaust yourself in the first six months, do it. Like, like, do it. Um, take rest, yes. But if you consistently show up, you're not only gaining experience and knowledge to share, um, but you're, again, that, that idea that you can't overcome your mind just by wanting to you overcome it by consistency by showing up so if you same way as with the handstand if you consistently show up with the handstand day in and day out eventually you'll start believing that you deserve it and your body will start understanding it and then those two things will intersect um and the yoga is the same you know i think i had a teacher tell me one time um <laughs> you don't like that pose okay well, Lauren, you should do it more. And every time you do it, you should pretend like you love it. And then let me know how long it takes you to love it. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like, and I was just so salty. I think I was like 20, 22, maybe 23 getting this advice. Like, come on, dude. Um, but <laughs> she was right, of course. And I think the imposter syndrome is similar. I think that if we show up enough in that space um, and we learn to obviously focus on our students like put your own crap in a box once you start the class you feel that way you know leading up to it and you, you put it in the box and you go and you show up um and you focus on them and if you do it often enough it starts to override or at least quiet it's not that i don't have those feelings anymore um it's just that they're quieter and i'm better at quieting them yes. when they show up I, it's so funny, you know, that we met at um, AYPR because we do have the same teacher, but you've trained like way more in person with David than I have. I met him online um, through another teacher training and he obviously gave me like the most knowledge I've ever had on the rocket. And I, I just, I loved every second of it. And come to find out, I had already fallen in love with Puerto Rico. Come to find <laughs> out, of course, he lives in Puerto Rico. Of course, that's where his studio is. And um, so like when I met Shauna, you know, when I met you, we were, I was taking class for I think only the second time at that studio. Um, and I was just overcome with like all of the honor feelings, you know, like practicing with this teacher that I respect so much um, in this space that's so uh, just lit with people dedicated to their practice totally. and, and their breath. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I got to teach there a few months later and I almost puked before class. I am not <laughs> kidding. Like I was at the coffee shop across the street and imposter syndrome doesn't even cover it. Like I had all the worst thoughts you could ever imagine, like playing in a highlight reel through my brain. And I was teaching like handstands and then Thai uh, body work the next day. And 
I felt so overwhelmed, but I stepped one foot in front of the other. I took a couple of deep breaths. And as soon as I walked into the room, my eyes were on them. As soon as I walked into the room, it was about them. It was not even about what I'm teaching anymore because thank God that is at least a little bit automatic at this point because it's so in my brain and in my body now. Um, so it wasn't even about like, Lauren, keep track of your notes, keep track of what you're teaching. It was like, what are these people in front of me needing, wanting, doing? Um, and it was such a great experience, like for me and for them, all the workshops that we go were just such a great experience. And I feel like that just goes to show like, we just can't let those feelings stop us from doing the thing. Yes. <laughs> that's all. And that's a great way to put it too about, you know, feel all of those feelings because they are real. They happen to all of us. And then focus on the task at hand, focus on them, on the students, make it about them and not about us. I think that once we stop having to feel like we're performing, then it, the whole game changes. So, you know, and that that's a really cool thing for you to bring as you teach. I was curious about when you take a class, what in your opinion makes an exceptional class? And I know that there there can be so many different kinds of yoga teachers and all of that, mm -hmm. but are there any key elements for you that really stand out as kind of the building blocks for an exceptional class? Well, I think what you just said, um, not performing. Uh, man, I have been to many a class where I felt like a show was being put on and it just, it doesn't, it doesn't sit with me personally. I mean, I think some people do go to a class and maybe they want a little bit of a show sometimes, but I think most of us are looking for a person to be human and to be relatable at the top of the room. Um, <laughs> you know, like that's part of the, how we make it inclusive. That's part of how we make it less intimidating for a newer student coming in is that, we can be open and vulnerable and authentic. And um, my favorite classes have been led by people like that um, with just really, really knowledgeable, good instruction, um, which to me, I think is just, I know that sounds general, but it's really just paying attention. It's like teachers who are paying attention to their students, um, paying attention to the room paying attention to music if they're using it. Like everything is intentional and aware. Um, and I think that's what makes a great class. Totally agree. I think that was really well said. Um, all right, our wrap up question, unless there's anything else that you felt really called to share, but our wrap up question is the billboard question. So is there anything else before we get to the billboard question? I don't think okay. so. We covered a we lot. Did. I feel like that was uh, that was a good combo. Absolutely. Um, all right. So the billboard question is, and I love to ask this to everyone. It's a high stakes question. It's if you had a billboard <laughs> that was going to be seen by everyone in the world, what would you put on the billboard? Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> so really mantra, anything like key takeaways or things, you know, that you live by or even just like whatever will pop into your mind randomly when you think of think of this question. Honestly, if I could just tell everyone all at once, um, 
and like they would all believe it. I would just want to say that you are way more capable than you give yourself credit for. Um, every single one of us. Like I feel like there's this, it's like an iceberg, right? There's so much under the surface that um, we maybe don't even let ourselves touch. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I'm over here snapping because you listening are not able to see that. <laughs> I'm over here snapping in agreement with that, um, with that choice. Great. Well, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Where can they practice with you? You can share any upcoming projects that you have going on, classes, trainings, anything. Yeah. Thank you, Shana. Thank you so much. Um, as usual, just my Instagram is Lauren Olivia Plays, um, Olivia with an A. And um, that's where I share a lot of my practice, a lot of my teaching and um, some current events. But I also say it's just laurenaliviamovement.com. Um, some things I'm excited about is a, a yearly retreat in Rincon, Puerto Rico, because you know, we've talked about Puerto Rico is one of our uh, collective favorite places. Yes. Um, and I'm stoked to do more of that, more like yoga, surf, play retreats, those sorts of things are um, connection driven and like my favorite type of thing to offer. Um, but I also have trainings and such in the Raleigh area and handstand classes um, and, you know, just the usual biz. If you want to follow, I would love to love to meet some new people. Perfect. Um, well, that I, I hope personally to come to one of your retreats in Puerto Rico. I'm trying to find any any excuse I ever can to get back down there. So <laughs> maybe that'll be in the works for next year. But thank you so much. And if, for those of you tuning in, thank you for listening. Um, I'll catch you next time. Ciao, ciao. Thank you, Shana. Mwah.